Hello again. Uh, welcome back, uh, teachers and uh, uh, and parents as well as students. And Rishi Sunak, if he's still there, because this uh, this time I'm talking about money. Uh, this is the optimistic, uh, positive part of this podcast. But you will have to wait a few minutes before you get there. Um, let us uh, begin where I left off. Um, uh, this book, How to Stay Sane in an Age of Division, which uh, is hugely relevant today. But I, I uh, quoted the end where uh, she said, uh, "We after the pandemic, we won't go back to the way things were before, and we shouldn't. What we call the beginning is often the end, and the end is where we start from. Well, uh, in the earlier part of this uh, um, podcast. This is where we start from. Um, millennials all over the world have lost faith in democracy. Um, so um, uh, that's the first point. Now I introduced you, if you didn't already know, to Sir Fred Robinson, um, who was an educator. He died sadly in August of this year. And uh, he also urged thinking differently. Uh, he urged it for many years. Uh, not surprised that he emigrated to America. Um, and uh, he, in many ways, was a prophet in the wilderness. Well, do listen to some of the lectures he gave that are on YouTube. But essentially what he urges is a much more holistic view of education, um, not just seeing education as a, a machine for um, producing graduates. And um, before I really get going, I just want to explain to you what I have found in since I retired in being involved in one or two issues and what I'm sure he found uh, when he was dealing with uh, his provocative ideas, welcomed, applauded, uh, but not implemented. I think you really have got to understand the world as it is, um, not just imagine it as you would like it to be. And um, I mean, it's not a flattering picture that I draw for you. I mean, I've used some imagery to try and convey this to you. Um, I, I, I think the world, this bit of the world anyway, is a bit like butter that's gone rancid. Um, I think we're a bit like a, a car with built-in obsolescence that keeps breaking down. And when you complain about it, it's a bit like wrestling with jellyfish. <laughs> and there are rather a lot of jellyfish. Um, when you protest, it's rather like hitting a punch bag, but it's filled with Smarties. Um, this is the, uh, the, the problem. Even the legal profession, um, <clears throat> well, I describe it today as a, a lovely piece of Chippendale, but unfortunately reproduction. Um, the problem is profound. And that is that you've got three, sec three sectors. You've got the public sector, the private sector, and academia. And each one of which thinks that it's the important bit. And <laughs> it's always us and them. It's never us together, all three working together. I mean, that is 
especially in the area of education, which is where they should. And you'll see how they can later on. Um, but this is the, the problem. Um, I referred before to the two patients who uh, gone to the, went to the doctor. One had a sore hand and the other had a sore foot. The sore foot could be tra treated, uh, but, but painfully the sore hand could not be treated. Uh, well, I can tell you what was wrong with the sore hand. Um, the hand, the hand was a dead. It's the dead hand of the past, dead hand to the last. You've got to recognise that Adam Smith and Karl Marx wouldn't have a clue about 21st century um, capitalism. Uh, and I described just my own company before I retired and, and since. Um, which had gone from um, a turnover of about 100,000 to over 300 million. Um, and in a lifetime of one person, Leslie Sheraton. I mean, it's amazing. And a win, win, win all the way. Um, win for everybody. Win for the staff, win for the, uh, the investors, win for the manufacturers and win for the customers. Um, I don't think Karl Marx would have understood that for a moment. I think that... Uh, you know, he'd have understood it as much as the man in the moon could understand the Apollo project. I mean, you go on about the slavers of yesterday, but Karl Marx was responsible for, in Eastern Europe, for a, a century of torment. Gulag and, uh, and, and the uh, uh, purges. I mean, I, I never mind toppling statues. Uh, if I were you, I'd go to Highbury Cemetery, dig him up and cremate him. <laughs> Sorry to put it that way, but he's, he's, he adds nothing to today's world, and the sooner he's dropped out of it, the better it will be for everybody. Um, and you see, the thing is that he, he's left behind a legacy of bitterness. Um, people think that um, you're tainted by money and profit, Profit is the sine qua non. Uh, without profit, nothing happens. What people are tainted by is um, what people are tainted by is power. They mis when they misuse it and abuse it. I mean, the fact is that um, just the thing that provoked me—I mean—to be creative <laughs> totally unexpectedly when I wrote this play, *Death of a Nightingale*, and staged it in London. I mean, frankly, if anybody suggested in my younger days that I'd end up doing that, I would not have believed them. Uh, but the fact is that what provoked me was the dealing with the Sunderland local authority. Capitalism is white as driven snow compared to the slush that I had to engage in, in with the Southern Local Authority. But that's not because labour is intrinsically bad. It's just because that lot were at the time. I've seen some very good lots in neighbouring Gateshead. So it's not an indictment against labour. It's just an indictment against those people at that particular moment in time. So this, but this is the part of the problem that you're dealing with. And uh, I think um, summing up the first part, I would say this, that the target, obviously everybody has agreed the target, and that is increasing social mobility, which, in my words, is in fact more winners and fewer losers. The more winners you have, the fewer losers you have. But when it comes to student loans, well, uh, I've got to say that 
as a, if you go back and listen to the 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 the, the first part of this, um, it's a bit like aiming for the bull in a dartboard with a dart and missing the board altogether. I mean that is the the problem. So I want, in fact, to suggest to you and be positive about what you should be doing about this or thinking about this, because this month they've got a month where you're right, we've got the COVID there and you've got to survive it. But you must use this month to advantage and think about different words uh, in education, not equality and uniformity. Uh, and even inclusion for that matter, but think about diversity, respect for difference, think about fair play with, it, with people who have different claims on the system. And, uh, and in fact, it shouldn't be kids for the schools or students for the colleges, but it should be the, the schools, it should be the schools for the kids, and it should be the uh, colleges for the students. And you have a different view of life when you look at it that way around. So let's now get to the to what I mean by all of that. Uh, there has been, for years, a single track system, which, as I say, um, has um, coloured education in this country. But what has it led to? I'll tell you what it's led to. And that is child neglect, not on the small scale, on the grand scale, because what has been neglected are the half the kids that never went to university, never aspired to go to university, never could go to university. Uh, those people have been neglected and that's half the school population. And what's more, they have been made to feel failures, which is even worse. So I uh, say very simply that we should have in this country, and this is what I invite you to think about, a twin track system with an alternative curriculum, not a question of choosing people for it, letting them choose uh, which curriculum they want, the academic one for the brainy lot, the ones that need two or three or four years, well, three or four years or more in a university, um, and the ones that maybe just need one year in a university. Um, and uh, anyway, we'll come to how this works out in a moment, but just let me establish what I mean by a... Um, uh, an alternative curriculum. I have a stab at putting one together, but I think you should have a stab at thinking of the subjects that uh, you might put into such a curriculum if there was one. Well, this is what I've got down here, and you can listen to it. You'll see where, where it goes. I've put down first computer and the internet, because that's pretty logical. Next one I put down is domestic and family skills. Cooking is not just a female pursuit. Understanding power supply, the DIY skills, first aid and hygiene, and living with a partner. Well, let's, let's take the first one, cooking. <laughs> I now do a bit of cooking myself. I wish I'd learned a bit earlier. I, for many years, I thought that roasting a chicken was an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. Um, but there are side benefits if you learn to cook. And uh, I mean, when I was young, 
cooking was thought to be for domestic science and only for girls. Well, that's a load of rubbish, isn't it anyway? Um, but, um, well, I tell you a nice story here. Uh, there was a, a newer teacher, uh, a special needs teacher, and she said that teaching cooking helped literacy. Uh, I didn't quite understand that. She explained. She said the fact is that the kids have to eat what they cook. So they must read the recipe. If they don't read the recipe, they, 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 they won't distinguish between salt and sugar. So there are side benefits sometimes from teaching these subjects, and people may go anyway uh, into the into the into into the industry when they get older. So that's that. DIY is a nice story here. Um, I. Uh, uh, my wife, as I said, is the brainy one. She keeps buying me books. Uh, well, we actually, we heard this guy on uh, on television, and I'm very impressed by him. Hashi Mohammed. I mean, this 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 book here. Um, now uh, he's a uh, a barrister, and he he actually is making a much better stab at it than ever I did, and I wish him well with it. Uh, but he tells a nice story. He says that when he was at school, there was a Mrs. Adler. A teacher who took the kids to a DIY store and bought paint, and they came back to school, and 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 it was painted their classroom, and it was a it was a bonding exercise. So you get side benefits from subjects like that. Now the next one I've got is music, art, and design, and their appreciation, the benefits to last a lifetime. Well, I'll tell you about design, design awareness. I didn't learn design awareness at my school, but I picked it up when I was working professionally for the Liberal Party, and I was introduced to a guy called Bartley Powell, who was the, the party's first graphic designer halfway through the 20th century. And that knowledge has stood me in good stead ever since. So design uh, awareness is very useful thing to have, and it's not difficult if you study art. But just take the next one I've got down, sport and games. Well, don't don't exclude games. I mean, all right, you've got Monopoly. You might encourage people to be build hotels and 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 and, and houses. But it, 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 but I've got here also. Well, I mean, it may encourage people to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I've also got down here cozy, juicy real. Now you may wonder what on earth is cozy, juicy real. Well, the answer is. It's a brand new game that some people I know are marketing today. And just look at this. Beautifully designed. And look at this, the social side of it. So don't exclude games uh, from um, your consideration here at all. These, this is, your mind has got to open up to these things. Don't be wise for other people all the time. Then I've got culture, including human rights, modern history, literature, including poetry and drama, and how other people in the world live. Well, modern history I'd certainly include so that people can see the damage that uh, Karl Marx did in Eastern Europe. Um, and poetry, well, I mean, they've got to knock poetry out of the National curriculum, well, that's absolute madness. What a loss to people not to be introduced to poetry, modern poetry especially. 
And I've got down two conversational foreign languages. Well, now, a lot of people speak English, but that doesn't mean to say we shouldn't speak their language, especially if you're in the hospitality industry. Even a little bit of Mandarin Chinese wouldn't do any harm. I wouldn't suggest you write it, but certainly read and speak it, uh, a little bit of it. Then I've got health and safety, including diet to head off obesity. Well, that, again, is a lesson for life. And I've got to tell you, in my view, it's, it's more than teaching people to, to, to ride a bike. I think that healthy diet for the whole of their life is better than riding a bike for part of it. And I've got PE and sport of all kinds. Uh, even sport, if you teach people sport, they'll have to um, read uh, in order to enjoy the sport that they like to play. Then I've got, and this is not unimportant, faith understanding the world's religions, why people believe or what they believe in, and, and when they don't, and mutual respect. I mean, that is the answer to a lot of this radicalism around is actually in the schools and how you teach that those subjects. The onus is on us, not on other people, to take the initiative here. And the last one I'm sure you wouldn't disagree with, and that's the environment. That's Greta Thunberg stuff. Well, that's really the sort of subject that I put into an alternative curriculum. But you may have other subjects, and it should be open-ended anyway. Well, now, what about the money? Well, this is also, it follows. You see, the tradition has been that the state will look after you um, from cradle to grave, including your education. But you ignore, when you say that, um, uh, the law of nature. Animals feed their young. <laughs> You've seen uh, plenty of Attenborough programs that uh, show that. And the opportunity should be there for people to feed their young. Um, let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, there has been a feeling around that if uh, if everybody can't have scholarships, nobody should have them. Um, uh, but I went to Oxford on a state scholarship and they've been discontinued. I think they should be brought back. Um, not, I hasten to say, for lawyers. I think there should be scholarships for lawyers, but there shouldn't be state scholarships. So the, the state should provide scholarships where, in fact, there will be clear benefit back, and that is science and medicine, doctors and nurses and so on. Those people should have scholarships. Um, and, but the scholarship principle overall is a healthy one because, all right, it, it, it may be differential. Uh, it, may it, may, it may not be conducive to equality, uh, but it does promote um, self-improvement and ambition and so on. But the fact is that the state doesn't need to be the only benefactor of them. Uh, you can deal here uh, with, um, let's say, the big, the big insurance companies, the big um, legal firms, the, the big audit firms, accountancy firms, uh, banking firms, all of these should nurture their young. They should be putting money in for um, educate, putting money into education. Uh, now, people have talked about a graduate tax. Graduate tax it shouldn't be on the graduates. The graduate tax should be on, on the firms that employ the graduates. That's where the money should come from. Now, I told you about my old company, which was really not dependent upon graduates for the for the growth, but now have, has used it to have a one-year 
course for a, a retail director. Well, I think the universities should actually focus on one-year courses, um, and not just for young people, for anybody. And I would just think about it, because in this instance, the people who would pay for those courses would not be the people concerned. They would be the firms. It would be a deductible expense. So that's, again, where you can get money into the universities. But the universities have got to switch into that particular mode. I don't think they're anywhere near it uh, in their thinking at, at this time. So that is the, the sort of new thinking that I invite you to uh, undertake. Um, it's a different world that, I, that should be opening up in your minds as I say these things to you. I um, give you one further thought, and that is that um, I talked about you getting a credit for £2,000 for the, the loss you've suffered this year. But giving credits off your student loan shouldn't be the only way in which you could earn credits. I think in your rest of your life, you should get credits if you improve yourself. Uh, if you contribute with voluntary activities, you should be able to get credits and reduce your student loan with, by virtue of that, not just by paying off money. But that's a further thought for you. Well, now, we're nearing the end of this, you'll be pleased to hear. And uh, But I do want to make this point, uh, that, that, that actually um, don't think that it has, this has not been started, um, in a small way, maybe. I had an interesting experience just a week ago. Um, I actually um, switched into something called Welcome Startup to Startup Summit by Future X. And this was on the net. And this were these couple who were really were bushy eyed, bushy, bushy eyed, bushy, bushy tailed and bright eyed. Um, Zoe Cantor, Cantor and Bruce Walker. Um, the interesting thing about that was uh, that um, the girl on the help desk was a lovely lass, it was Edinburgh based. She was actually a university dropout, lamenting the fact that she still had to pay her student loan off. But um, the fact is that, 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 that these two were encouraging entrepreneurial skills, and that's going on now. And I'll give you another illustration. I told you before that I, um, a member of my local Rotary Club, um, now I know people tend to poo-poo Rotary a bit these days, but um, the fact is that um, well, my local Rotary Club has actually given uh, £200,000 to charities, uh, but which, of course, it had to raise. But apart from that, you click into this and you'll see what they're also about. Um, service before self. Um, I don't know whether Karl Marx quite anticipated that possibility. Um, but at all events, um, the, the, my local Rotary Club has, for a few years now, has been involved with something is called Bring It On. And this encourages young people age 11 to 14 to visit an exhibition to show what activities are around in the Northeast for them to 
address when they're at school. That, that is again, it's 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 absolutely the right thing to happen, and it is it is going on now. Let me come back to uh, uh, Fred Robinson, Sir Fred Robinson. He had a beautiful analogy, which I repeat here. He talked in terms of Death Valley in America, which apparently is one of the hottest, driest places on earth, where nothing grows, barren, as it would seem. And suddenly there was seven inches of rain. And what happened? A garden of flowers. And you get this. It, it wasn't that the place was barren, it was just dormant. And as we go into the post-Brexit period, it's important to realise that there is, under the surface, huge talent around, but you've got to nurture it and grow and flourish it and all the rest of it. And that is really the role for education. And that's why I say this is a positive message that I give to you if you will only see it. Don't be put off by negativity. I have a special word here for Emily Maitlis. And people like her in Newsnight. They spend part of their time being an undertaker and part of their time being a coroner. They should go into market gardening and, and, and look for green shoots. That's what they should be doing. In fact, a lot of people today, they live in a bubble of their own creation and bemoan the world. And that is not the right way forward. So, that's my positive contribution. And uh, I hope that I've given you uh, some good brain exercises today. I've been talking about um, hills and troughs, if you like, going back to that analogy. Hills and troughs, where in the hills you people aspire and have ambition and become winners. The troughs where there are the losers, the people who espouse mediocrity. Well, next time we'll look a little bit more at, at, into the troughs and uh, I'll focus on my pet hate, if you like, uh, Sustrans, the cycling uh, lobby, uh, who are, in my view, um, uh, expert in mediocrity. Anyway, that's for next time. And uh, I'll also take in their allies, by the way, uh, who keep them at it. Anyway, that's for next time. Thank you very much indeed for being with me today and uh, good thinking.